Our reading is from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 1. That's chapter 2, I beg your pardon. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 16. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people, the same thing those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles, so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. And we thank God for his word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you long to speak to us and reveal yourself to us. Help us now as we look at your word. Help us to understand it. Challenge and change us. Make us more usable for your kingdom and a powerful witness to your glory and all that you have done. Amen. Amen. So tonight we're looking at uh, gospel ministry. And uh, it's part two of our series on 1 Thessalonians. Just for an idea of where we're going, here's an overview. Uh, last Sunday, Neil looked at the gospel message. And uh, we saw that the message came. The Thessalonians welcomed the message. And that the message rang out from them as they took the message out. And uh, tonight we're looking at the following um, passage and a section about gospel ministry. 
And it's my prayer that we will see and learn how to get that gospel message out. Getting the gospel message out needs us to be doing gospel ministry. And gospel ministry, according to this passage, involves three things. Uh, Firstly, it's a challenge. It's going to be hard, and we need to know that. Secondly, gospel ministry needs character. It needs those who are doing it to be godly and to be a witness. And it takes compassion, a love for those that we are ministering to. First of all, let's get it straight that the gospel is momentous news. We can't talk about the gospel without getting excited. It's momentous news about Jesus. It's news to trump any other news. Jesus is good news. He brings salvation so we can meet and enjoy the creator of all things forever in eternity. We can know his love. Sinners are forgiven. Lost is found. The vulnerable are saved. The hurting are healed. The rejected reconciled. We can stand in heaven's throne room one day with the Lord God because the Lord Jesus left that very room to come and rescue us, his people. And it's this momentous message that was ringing out from Thessalonica. This is the message that must ring out from us. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose, is a famous quote by Jim Elliot. Gospel ministry is getting the gospel message out. And before we think that gospel ministry is just something that the professionals do for pastors and and missionaries, gospel ministry is any gospel work. Chatting to your neighbor, serving coffee, inviting somebody to church, packing out chairs, leading worship, writing the louvre, sticking up for a loner at school, giving a neighbor a lift to the hospital preaching anything that promotes the gospel the great news about Jesus is gospel ministry keep that in mind as we talk about gospel ministry the first thing I want us to note and to to think about is that gospel ministry is a challenge I have a quote from a friend who I was at, I was at school with and um, She's quite blunt and quite harsh, but this is what she said. She said, all Christians are spineless, pew-warming wimps. Nice. What she's saying is gospel ministry is hard. And sometimes it's it's easier for us to sit and warm the pews than to get out there and do gospel ministry. It's easier to hide than to share the gospel. It's easier to stay in bed late and uh, not help set up the AV for a service. Gospel ministry can be a challenge. William Carey was one of the first missionaries, and he ministered in India. And after seven years, or let's put it like this, it took him seven years to get his first convert. It was hard work. And when when he was asked about his ministry, he replied, I can plod. He knew it was going to be hard. He knew it was coming. He was prepared for the hard work. He can trudge through all the hard work because he expected it. Ministry is a challenge. Paul says that there are three kind of reasons why ministry 
can be a challenge in this uh, first part of chapter 2. The first thing that ministry can be a challenge for is because of persecution for sharing the gospel. In verse 2, Paul says, We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God we dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. This is opposition from others as a result of your ministry. Paul and his team were hated for sharing the gospel. Jesus warned that we'd face persecution for telling the gospel. And we feel this type of challenge regularly. Sometimes it's out there in the open or sometimes we sense it behind the scenes, going on behind our backs. And most of us haven't felt persecution the way Paul describes. He says, been treated outrageously and suffering. Most of us haven't had that kind of persecution. But when we do get persecuted, it's usually a strange look or a one-liner. Hardly are we treated, seldomly are we treated outrageously. We should pray regularly for our brothers and sisters who know persecution like this. Paul describes um, the situation. We should be praying for those sort of folk and for ourselves that we'll be ready for that kind of persecution when it comes. We pray that it doesn't come But it may, because gospel ministry is a challenge. Gospel ministry is a challenge because of persecution. Gospel ministry is a challenge because sometimes it can be hard work. The work never stops, and there's always more to do. And most of us have family, work, school, and other commitments, as well as our commitment to do gospel ministry. And sometimes it becomes a fine balancing act. Um, gospel ministry can sometimes take a huge effort and huge sacrifice. I love working with our children and our young people, but sometimes it's really hard. You're tired and you think, I'm not up to this. It can be hard work sometimes, but we must do it anyway. There are few things that can be as draining and as hard as loving as caring for people. Ministry takes up all of your energy I love the gospel. I love gospel ministry. And I love the joy of sharing Jesus with people. But sometimes it's just hard work. And it wrecks me. And we think, well, how can I go on? Paul says gospel ministry can be a challenge as well because sometimes there are folk who are trying to stop the message. Paul talks about them in verse 16. He says, in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles, so that they may be saved. There are people working against Paul, causing trouble for him, trying to get in the way of the message getting out there. Jews tried everything in their power to plug the gospel, to contain it, to kill it off. At this year's Easter play, some parents were upset at the school because the gospel message was so strong. And they went to the director and they moaned and they complained to her. They did not like the fact that the gospel message was going out. The, teacher was, the, the, the reply of the teacher was spot on. She said, well, it is Easter. <laughs> Ministry will be a challenge at times. But here's where we can take heart and be encouraged. 
Can you see it in verse 2? We had previously suffered and had been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of God, we dare to tell you his gospel. God will help us. God will give us the words and the courage. God is with us. As we do gospel ministry, remember God is with you. God is with us. In Matthew 28, we're told to go out and make disciples of all nations, preaching and teaching and baptizing them. And God's promise, Jesus' promise to us, I will be with you. It's hard work, but Jesus is with us. Ministry can be a challenge, but it's worth it. In verse 1, do you see the encouragement there? Our visit to you was not without results. I find that hugely encouraging. Our gospel ministry, even though it's hard, will not be without results. There will be fruit to your ministry. We may not see it now. It may not be the kind of fruit that you desire, but there will be fruit. Your labor is not in vain. Your gospel ministry was planned before creation, and God always gets his way. God will honor that hard work. We do the work, and God will arrange for the results. There will be results to our gospel ministry. People may try and stop the message. Not a chance. Not a chance. The gospel, you can't stop the gospel. In verse 16, Paul says, in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles, in their effort, meaning they tried, but they couldn't. They couldn't shut Paul up. They couldn't stop getting the gospel out. Jesus says as he's entering Jerusalem, and people are all cheering and making a noise, and somebody says to him, Shh, keep your disciples quiet. And Jesus says, if I keep them quiet, the stones are going to give me glory. We cannot stop the gospel from getting out. It's going to happen. The gospel is an unstoppable force. There is an unstoppable force in the universe. It's the gospel. How many times in history has someone or some government tried to contain the gospel? They have all failed. The Jews tried. They put Jesus on a cross. It didn't help them much. The gospel can't be stopped. Gospel ministry is a challenge. God is with us. There will be results. The gospel cannot be stopped. Gospel ministry needs character. Last week, Neil spoke about the message. Godly character has to do with the messenger. The first part of godly character is the motive of why we do ministry. We should be doing it for God, not people. As people approved or commissioned by God. Take a look at verse 3. For, we, for the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please uh, people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up our greed. 
God is our witness. We are not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Our motive should should direct our character. Do we minister for ourselves, for our own sake, for our own glory, to look good in front of others? Paul says our gospel ministry should be wrapped up in God and our desire to love him. So many people drop out of ministry because they get the motives wrong. When it gets hard, the motives are wrong, so they stop. Sometimes the motives may be good, but they're wrong. Maybe it's, let me help out the team leader, or I've got nothing better to do. They don't have enough leaders. I like teaching. I want to meet people. We need to get our motives right. Do ministry to serve God, first and foremost. Get your motives right when you enter into gospel ministry. Serve God, not people. The second part of godly character is is manner. How do we go about doing it? Paul says in verse 3 that we need to have pure motives, no deception. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. Our gospel needs to be a ministry filled with integrity. We can't trick people into believing the gospel. We need to be honest in our discussions and clear in our arguments, not to use bribery or blackmail or rely on big, flashy events. So many youth groups around the world, um, without knowing it, use deception in the form of entertainment. They try and grow their groups, and, and what we have is large groups, but not large ministries. Entertainment is not gospel ministry. I don't hear me saying that gospel ministry should be boring. It shouldn't. Ministry can be heaps of fun. A tip for uh, Rara this week is uh, I've been trolling the internet and we've got some good fun games we're going to be doing before we study the Bible. Ministry can be fun. Verse 10, Paul says, You are witnesses and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. Paul's gospel ministry was one of righteousness, holiness, and blamelessness. This is a bit that I really struggled with for a while. But our character is part of our gospel ministry. Your character is part of your ministry. When I'm looking for volunteers to join the youth and children's ministry team, I look for character before competency. Do they love Jesus? Do they take their walk with Jesus seriously? It's no good having somebody who's off the scale competent, but you can't see any evidence of their love for Jesus. Character before competency. We need to know that their heart is in the right place, that they're serious about living out the gospel message before they engage in gospel ministry. As we minister, our characters 
are examples of our gospel message. They are the billboards which declare how seriously we take our gospel message and how much we love Jesus, the subject of the message. If you can't live the gospel, maybe we shouldn't be preaching the gospel. Live the gospel before you preach it. Because the hearers will struggle to hear with their eyes. Paul took his team's witness to the Thessalonians very seriously. He lived for an audience of one. God was his witness. God was his motivation. See, our lives can either be like a microscope or like a telescope of God's glory. A microscope says, oh shame, God is so small. Let me make him look a little bit bigger. He's so cute. He's not all that amazing. He's, He's quite safe. Our lives match our view of God. When we do this, our lives and ministries are not lived with godly character. I think I want to be a telescope. God is huge and amazing. Let me show you how big and amazing God is. That's what a telescope does. It makes big things look big. I want to do that to God in my life. God is huge. He's amazing. Look how fantastic he is. You have got to see how big he is. It will blow your mind. We should be unable to stop ourselves from living from him. We should be able to say, I can't help doing gospel ministry in a way that honors him. Just look at him. Our lives should make a big God look big. Gospel ministry can sometimes be a challenge. Gospel ministry needs us to approach it with godly character. And gospel ministry needs compassion. People he ministered to. He had deep compassion for them. And because he loved them so much, he shared the gospel with them. Because he loved them so much, He shared his life with them. He gave deeply to their relationship. Paul found a light in the Thessalonians. And after a visit, Paul often wrote of his eagerness to return to the people that he had ministered to. He loved the people he ministered to. Paul let people in to his life. He did life together with them. I don't know if personal or private space was a concept that Paul knew. Meals, journeys, work, ministry were all things to do together for the sake of the gospel. One of the reasons the church weekend away is so much fun and so spiritually uplifting is that we get to do it together. We get to share our love with one another. We get to enjoy one another's company. And one of my favorite parts on the whole church weekend away is that we got to spend time together. I had a conversation with, with Ken, which I would never have been able to have had here in the concourse as we were rushing past one another, steaming past, wanting to catch up with people, finding out how the week has been. But on the church weekend away, we could one, love one another by just speaking and chatting to one another. Ken asked me how I was doing, 
And after the conversation, I really felt loved. It was a really good time. We were with God's people and we were loving one another. A little boy was um, praying to God. And um, whenever he prayed, he asked if he could hold his dad's hand. And uh, one day the dad asked, well, why, why are you holding, why do you want to hold my hand? And the boy said, well, when I hold your hand, it feels like Jesus is here. It feels like that's Jesus' skin. You see, the boy wanted to know that God was with him. When we love people, when we care for people, it's like we're Jesus' skin for them. They get to experience Jesus' love here on earth. Jesus is very loving. And Jesus loves the world and his people through us. We need to be Jesus' skin to the world around us. Paul says we should love like a nursing mother. Um, a nursing mother can be dangerous at times because they care so much for their child. A few days ago, Tyron was in his uh, push chair, and like usual, it was heavily uh, burdened with bags and all those kinds of things, and it toppled over backwards. And um, I dived to try and catch it, but quite casually, as what most fathers would do. Claudine just about took me out to get past to try and see if Tyron was okay. Tyron was okay, he didn't even know what was going on. A nursing mother cares deeply for her child. She's gentle, wanting what is best, suffering to do what is best, stopping at nothing to provide and care for the object of her love. Second half of verse 7. Well, let's start at verse 7. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. So mothers, are we, are we loving people in the church like a nursing mother? Fathers, dads, men, we need to love like nursing mothers. We need to care for the people in the church. Verse 11 is all about loving like fathers. For you know that we dealt with uh, each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. It breaks my heart when Justin's heart breaks. So just excuse the Justin illustrations for a while. When he's bullied or, or hurts himself, I cry on the inside. I feel his pain. I go to him, I pick him up, I hold his hand, I kiss his forehead, I shower him in cuddles. Justin, 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 it's going to be all right. I love comforting him. I can't help it. I love encouraging Justin. Um, truth be told, I spend too much money on encouraging him. Uh, he's been feeling sad because his friends are better at reading than him. Justin reads pretty well, but he notices they're all on different reading levels, and it, and it gets to him. So um, I've encouraged him, and we've been working together. I've bought some uh, comics, and we sit together, and we read the comics together. And uh, 
we read often. And next on our list is to read uh, some stories from the Storybook Bible together. Last week or the week before, he went up a reading level. And my heart sings. I love to encourage him. This morning, I had to talk to Justin about Sundays being a day to enjoy God and for growing in our relationship with him. It meant that today, he couldn't go and play football because he needed to be at church. I urged him to think for himself on on what he should do and what would please God most. It was easier than I thought. I should go to church, Daddy. I want to go to church, Dad. Hopefully that will continue into the teenage years. We should love like a nursing mother with gentleness and care and like a father encouraging, urging and comforting the people we minister to. All of them, even the few that are hard to love. I was once told a half-truth and it's this. You only love God as much as you love the person you love the least. And we shouldn't tell stories where where you're the hero. But I don't feel like the hero in the story because I know what was actually going on in my heart. At the church in Cape Town, we had a fellow called Abe. Abram. Abraham. He was homeless. Um, There's no other way to put it. He stunk. It was absolutely horrific. And he did meth. Not the way folk usually do it when they kind of dilute it a little bit. He just drunk it neat out the bottle, no flavoring or whatever. And he stunk like mess as well. Nobody wanted to sit near him, uh, let alone sit next to him. Abe was hard work. One day during the week he kind of cotton or he cottoned on that I was working from the church and so he would pop in to come and uh, come in and chat to me. And the one day I wasn't there, so one of the other ministers was there, and um, Abe was adamant he wanted to speak to me. And Mike asked him, he said, well, why do you want to speak to Grant? And Abe said, when, when I come to church, Grant talks to me. I hated sitting next to him. And God helped me to love Abe. We need to love the unlovely. So hard to say, Abe is dead. And I miss him so much. I miss that smile. I could never love him by myself. In the conclusion, all our gospel efforts is gospel ministry. All of it. Gospel ministry is a challenge. Remember, God is with you. God is with you. He will provide the results. Gospel ministry needs character. Look at your life. Are you a microscope or a telescope? Gospel ministry needs compassion. Let's give Jesus skin. At the end of the day, the glorious gospel message needs gospel ministry. The band's going to come up and sing while they come up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the joy of serving you.
of being able to be part of your plan in gospel ministry. We thank you for the power of your message. Lord, won't you shape us, your messenger? Help us to have a ministry that is filled with compassion, that is filled with godly character, and that when the challenges come, we will trust in you, that we will rely on you, and know that you are with us, and that we go out in your strength. Amen.